Capcom presents. Welcome, this is Capcom Unity's official podcast, episode 22, if you can believe it, Uh, or even if you can't, that's the case. Uh, I'm Greg Aman, I'm joined as per usual by Yuri, thank you for being here, Yuri, Uh, and uh, not joined by Brelston, who is caught up in a thing, he may join us later. He's on his way, I think. We'll find out. Uh, Yes. Uh, I was going to have him speak to the recent Resident Evil news, but I'll just have to sort of fake it without him. We can pretend those news never happened, so... No, because it's uh, big news, okay, but... Uh, so sure, go on. It's good to be here anyway. We're recording uh, a day earlier than normal, trying to account for all the other crap going on. It turns <laughs> out we actually do work here, <laughs> despite how it always looks. Um, yeah, you guys only see us on live streams and stuff like that, so it's like, oh, did these guys have, play games every we day? We have little day? pockets of time where we're able to goof off, which we justify by calling it, quote, promotion. <laughs> <laughs> but most of the time, we do actual honest work. I mean, it's not mining coal, uh, but you know. Uh, it's so mining Macolite ore. It's mi- it's it is often mining other types of ore. <laughs> anyway, so uh, in the topic of news, DMC Definitive Edition Weekly videos and live streams wage on. This uh, this week we put up our fourth video, which covered, uh, or just gave a little glimpse of Virgil's new Bloody Palace mode. Uh, mm. For the unfamiliar, Bloody Palace mode is is basically just like a you know like a horde mode kind of thing where you st- you're you are challenged by the game to survive wave after wave of enemy, and it gets harder and harder. And if you die, you have to start all the way back at the beginning. Right. This is a legacy mode. Going back to, I think, uh, going back to Devil May Cry 3 Special Edition. Uh, and we had it in DMC, but we've added a new one specifically designed for Virgil in Definitive Edition. Uh, and it's shaping up really well. The game is gorgeous, more gorgeouser than before even. <laughs> uh, we've been having a blast playing in the office and showing it to people and just talking to the DMC community. I've been talking a lot uh, to people on devilmaycry.org, which is a great site. And also, uh, a lot of the really high-level players in Japan, they're all over Twitter. Nice. Um, and they've been going nuts with DMC. I can't believe this stuff they pull off. Yeah. Um, so that game is on its way. We have uh, less than a month now. It comes out March 10th on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And it's only going to be 40 bucks, even though there's a disc version. So uh, pick that up. It's going to be great. Another news, remake, the uh, Resident Evil remake re-release that <laughs> recently came to PlayStation 3 and 4 and Xbox 360 and Xbox One and PC. Uh, it's doing extremely well. We talked about this a little bit on our last podcast, but uh, it has since uh, broken some records. It was uh, declared this week the fastest-selling digital title for Capcom and the biggest day-one digital title for PSN. That's huge. That is huge. Meaning it sold... PSN has been around for a while. It sold more copies on, on day one. Or more units, rather. On day one than any other PSN title ever. Wow. So, uh, holy cow. Thank you guys for supporting it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's one of those sort of easy victories. I mean, not that it was easy to make, but we all kind of knew. Like, we knew that you knew what you were getting. And yeah, we, yeah. And we knew that we wouldn't have to do much convincing. It's just an awesome game made even more awesome. Uh, but that's great news nonetheless. So, great. <laughs> uh, in light of that, the producer, Hirabayashi-san, he uh, put out a little video thanking the fans for the support uh, and also put out some free wallpaper for uh, those with, uh, with barren desktops. Oh, okay. Yes. Another news, I know this will please Yuri. Um, yeah. True Force Collectibles, Ooh. which is a company that makes collectibles, uh, they just kickstarted a new Mega Man X figure, and uh, the design is uh, not only super cool, I know. but it's it's uh, it's a super rare design. This was a uh, this was created originally as an April Fool's joke, perhaps <laughs> perhaps a cruel one, uh, last year by an yeah. artist that uh, 
in Capcom Japan. He just like mocked up uh, this crazy concept pretty, art yeah, for a new awesome. X design, and they put it up on April Fools, and they took it down immediately. And people <laughs> were like, "What the hell? What is that?" Uh, and at the time, it was just a, it was just a joke, but uh, because it, the uh, the design was so popular that day, uh, they pulled some strings and uh, they uh, kickstarted this figure. It's uh, it's very high quality, um, and it is a, a big ticket collectible. Uh, but if you do back them, they're offering some super nice uh, rewards for backers. So check that out. That's True Force Collectibles. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't normally do this, but mm-hmm. I, I got really excited for the color variation as well. Yeah, that's there was uh, a, you know they they have like this limited prototype edition where it's like silver with or maybe gray. Uh, yeah, it's like a, a silver gray mm-hmm. thing with like some orange uh, details here and there. So that that looks. And that's very, only very gonna nice. be, ever be available. Yeah. Uh, to backers who yeah, if you're not, contribute to the high tiers. Yeah, so um, I, I get that their goal is to kickstart this so they can start production and all that and actually make this available uh, in stores and uh, I think hopefully online as well. But that that uh, alternate version one is only on the Kickstarter, which yeah, yeah that really caught my eye. <laughs> so something to think about. Yeah. Uh, and then the other news, which will bring us into the main meat of this week's episode, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. Uh, well, first of all, the localization blogs uh, are still going with yep. uh, Andrew Alfonso, who has been doing great work as usual. Uh, the latest one covers some of the UI changes, the differences between the uh, Japanese and Western versions. They changed a few things, either uh, you know for, for usability or for... Uh, whatchamacallit, just differences in how much space stuff takes up. Yeah. You know, Japanese can be in a, a very spatially efficient language. Right. One of the many spatially efficient things about Japan. Right. Um, right. <laughs> you know, one kanji can, rep- one ca- kanji, which is one character, can represent a whole concept. And yeah. In particular, uh, when you're talking about elements, you know, yeah, el- you know the elemental attributes of a weapon, those are all one character. Uh, you can't, do, you just can't do that in English. You have to do like F for fire, and it just wouldn't look as nice. Uh, so they swapped them out with uh, with little icons. Yeah, that are the size of one character. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, I, when I first noticed that, I was I was really excited. Um, no more of like TH for thunder and yeah, uh, yeah, like some like, and eventually you start getting some overlap with stuff. Uh, but anyways, mm-hmm. that's uh. And then uh, he also talked a little bit about uh, some of the, I guess, subspecies names and uh, how, yep. how those differ. You know, again, in, in Japan, the monsters, they each have like a uh, like a name name, which is usually katakana. I guess it's always katakana. Yeah, yeah. And then they have uh, like a three, usually a three kanji descriptor. Uh, right. I don't know what you would call it. It's, it's like a title. That's a title weird, yeah. or like a species name versus the, right. the common name. Uh, and... Uh, those can be quite tricky to translate again because of how much they lean on the way kanji works fundamentally. Uh, so they kind of get creative with the names, and uh, yeah. uh, you get these these names that have a lot of character in them that might not have come through if they just did a, a literal verbatim translation. He talks and about the uh, the black tigrex, which he didn't want to call black tigrex. Yeah, they're like, they're they're brute the brute tigrex, which yeah. is much more, more descriptive, uh, yeah. sort of picturesque word. <laughs> They are brutes too. I know. Uh, yeah, so so I think to speak to that a little more, uh, when you have the regular monster name, right, like Tigrex or Rathlos, um, in, in Japanese they have their names, but when they have the subspecies, uh, they just add a little character uh, afterwards, mm-hmm. which generally denotes that it's the alternate version. So they, it essentially would be like alternate Tigrex or mm-hmm. alternate Rathlos, and then there's like rare Rathlos. Um, so uh, for the localized versions, they they went on with a little more, you know, trying to spice it up a little more. Yeah, so that's a lot more get, descriptive. Yeah, so they they get a little more creative with uh, a lot more creative with the names. So um, even though some of them will be like black gravios, like that's like very simplistic. Mm-hmm. Some other ones are, you know, Stygian Zenoger. It's like, still yeah, and even black gravios is still more descriptive than just using the term subspecies. Yeah, yeah. for every single subspecies. Yeah. Uh, so. It's a bit of artistic license, but I think it definitely serves the Western version of the game. Yeah, and and you know, 
uh, just to, to back him up a little more, the uh, the director of the game, uh, Mr. Fujioka, mm-hmm. he gets uh, he gets to be the final say on all of these. Yeah. So um, we know well, what a bear he can be. <laughs> I just say that because he's super nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but still, like when when the localization team comes up with all their ideas, they they still have to run everything through him at the end. It's like which is which is the final one that we can use, and yeah, we go from there. And uh, perhaps more importantly in Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate News, the reviews are finally dropping as this game comes out the day that this podcast goes up on, on Friday the 13th. Uh-oh. Yeah, whoa. That not good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Not good. Great. But the reviews are terrific. Uh, we have, we're currently sitting on a 87 Metacritic based on 43 reviews. Yeah. That's quite good for... A game that can be a lot to take in at once. Right, right. Um, so I think uh, people are people in the West are starting to get it more and more, um, and this is the one that I think is going to sort of blow the lid off Monster. I say that every time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but we're in a good uh, place, and uh, today is a great day for that. Yeah, reason. it is. Uh, I'm I'm really happy uh, with the launch. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, nobody is listening to this because they're all too busy playing. Monster or, yeah, Hunter you could Ultimate. be playing and listening. But then you miss out on all the great music and sound effects of Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. Yeah. Well, get two separate devices and then one earbud for each earpiece. I, no, I, don't do that. I'm willing to sabotage my own show here. Man, Greg taking, in one, taking yes. one for the team over here. <laughs> the team so, of four hunters. Go on. So, I mean, but that's that's really the main thing I wanted to talk about today is, uh, you know, just, like, give people a primer uh, on Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. What What is it they can expect? What's this all about? How is it better than previous Monster Hunter titles for returning players? All right. Uh, yeah, so if, if you got to this point in the podcast and uh, did not play Monster Hunter yet, uh, first of all, there's a way you can play without spending a single dime, and it's by trying out the demo. Mm-hmm. They have a little demo on the eShop now. It's now available for everyone to download. And I think even uh, possibly cheaper alternative if you don't have a 3DS, I know some uh, GameStop locations might actually have the demo there playable. Um, so call your local GameStop just to verify. Uh, make sure that that's uh, the case. I don't know if – I don't think it's everywhere. But anyways, uh, that particular demo is just going to go over the combat. So if you if you like – uh, action games like the you know particular Capcom touch of action games like like trying to recognize enemy patterns and all that then mm. that's a great place to start. But uh, you know the way that I recommend experiencing the game is uh, actually getting it, getting the game itself and starting from from the beginning mm-hmm. and pay close attention to everything that the game is going to try to to show you. Um, there's going to be a bit of dialogue there, so you're going to have to to read read a little bit. But I think you know just just from the the structure of the the early quests, they teach you little things here and there, uh, even if you're not reading every line. Like you know, uh, you should you should eat so you can keep up your stamina, and then later on you're going to find out that the monsters also have stamina, so mm-hmm. they also get tired, and then that's when you start getting to the game itself, which is like you as a hunter. Know what you can do, mm-hmm. first of all, and then also knowing what the monster can do and try to uh, match up the best case scenario for you and the worst case scenario for the monster, you know? Yeah. And uh, and then go from there. Um, once you kill the monsters, you get to collect materials from them and uh, make awesome weapons and armor. I think this can <laughs> this is a game that can be very difficult to explain succinctly. Yeah, and that's a challenge we've come up against for over ten years now. Yeah, uh, I do think that the demo that we have this time is really good, and uh, definitely, I mean, it, it can't explain everything. Like Yuri said, it's basically uh, focused on combat, but it does uh, ease you in. I think a lot better than we've seen in the past, and uh, 
you know that that that's sort of just a, a inexorable element of Monster Hunter is sort of having to rely on other players and and experience to really figure the game out. But it definitely pays off. Uh, in over the course of what two two and a half years, uh, I went from working in a work working in an office where there was one other monster player to working in an office where virtually everyone else plays the game and is better <laughs> than me. Uh, it's crazy. It just got its hooks in a couple people and then it spread like wildfire. Yeah. So uh and, and I think one of the things that's going to really help uh, this game um this time around in particular is that you know, it, the game is actually um on the Nintendo 3DS, which is um, if you consider the current generation of consoles, like with the, you know, everybody now, like the current generation is like PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo 3DS, and PlayStation Vita, mm-hmm. like as and PC, of course. That's the, that's the current latest iteration of each thing. And sure. also the, the, the Wii U. Like the 3DS is definitely the winner there. It's like there's a lot, lot of people playing 3DS. I guess mm-hmm. not if you pair it against PC, but it's like just the fact that Almost everybody has a Nintendo 3DS, like, mm. and with this game going online, you know, it, it's a lot easier to connect to other people. Having know? online on a handheld for this series for the first time, yeah, uh, that's that's not to be understated. That's so, a big deal. If we consider how big the series is in Japan, mm-hmm. and they they got to be huge without online because of the different culture, I think you can speak to that a little better, Greg. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you figure they didn't need to grow on that. You know, they need, didn't need to add that feature to grow. They, mm-hmm. they kind of added it just for us, really. Yeah, I mean, if you, it's funny. Uh, online, like, j- the Internet as a whole doesn't seem to have quite taken root in Japan the way it has pretty much everywhere else. <laughs> um, people are much more into the mobile experience. You know, I think the majority of Internet use happens on people's cell phones in Japan. And it's been that way since before smartphones were really even a thing. Mm. Um, you just see people surfing the web on their, their flip phones, you know? Yeah. And uh, cooperative gaming or, or, you know, multiplayer gaming tended to happen uh, in a local ad hoc context with stuff like the PSP. The PSP was so big when I lived there. Yeah. Uh, and to a lesser extent for multiplayer games, DS. But the DS was... Just, I mean, the DS, uh, the success of the DS was just astounding because you were they were reaching people that had no business owning any kind of da- game device. <laughs> you know, you'd go on a train and you'd see, like, a group of little kids, an old man, and two beautiful women all pulling out their DSs and doing different things, you know. And it would be like, you know, <laughs> this guy is studying English and this person's learning how to cook better and this person's playing Pokemon, you know? Yeah. And they just got it in everyone's hands. Yeah. And I think it was just, uh, there's, there's a draw to the portable device over there for whatever reason. Maybe it's because you have so many public commuters, uh, with not a ton of free time, but lots of little bits of free time interspersed throughout the day. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing uh, I've uh, I've heard. There's this guy in, in Japan. Uh, a little bit of a shout out to him because he makes like great tutorial, uh, like little tutorial videos for uh, for the weapons in, in Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. So uh, it goes by the name of Gaijin Hunter. Uh, you mm-hmm. should check him out if you have any questions about any of the weapons. He knows all of them uh, better than me. So <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, he he was explaining why he plays, like how he got to play Monster Hunter so much, and he's like. He commutes to work a total of about four hours a day, maybe five, depending on on the day. You know, like two hours to go to work, two hours to come back. Hmm. And like that, if, you know, if he didn't have a portable gaming system to play Monster Hunter, he probably would have never experienced the series. Yeah. No, I remember stuff like that. I had a two and a half hour commute one way for a period. Wow. And uh, I used... I, for a while, I was playing uh, Chrono Trigger on the DS. You know, they did the DS port. Yeah. That, at the time, was the only JRPG that I even came close to finishing my whole <laughs> life. And wow. I did finish it, and it was thanks to the crazy commute. Yeah. Um, so now we have the context of Japan. What's the context here? 
Well, that's the thing is, uh, you know, <laughs> different, completely different. I think I think yeah. there's a few things there. One is that everyone's kind of an island here, you know, like everyone, most people anyway, commute by car, and the you know, I guess the way portable systems have typically been marketed, it's t- it tends to skew a little more toward a, a family-friendly or younger audience. Yeah. Um, Whereas in Japan, it was quite the opposite. It was like if there's one device that was, uh, you know, marketed towards all ages and all walks of life, it was it was a DS. Right. Um, and I, I think that just speaks to the differences in the lifestyle. But uh, in the meantime, in the West, uh, online gaming has taken – I mean, it's it's been s- such a big part of gaming culture for so long, I think. Uh, that it's kind of become an expectation for, uh, you know, games with multiplayer. You know, there, there's this sort of culture here. People get home from work, from driving home from work, and they uh, they like to plop on their couch and uh, throw on a game and play with dudes, either their friends or dudes they they don't know, <laughs> you yeah. know, online. It's just like kind of how uh, multiplayer gaming is here. And, uh, well, and like you said, they're driving, so it's not like they can play on the right, right, right. Like so the, you don't have the community. The other thing in Japan is that, uh, uh f- for kids who are still in school, there's a lot of um, extracurricular activity. Mm. It almost consumes your life. Like uh, what I experienced when I was a teacher there was that most kids in like middle school and high school they didn't really have a lot of homework. Really, me, which surprised me. Huh. But they had um, they had ridiculous, like they just had ridiculous hours at school. They were just at school all the time, you know, um, either, mm. you know, for class or like after school, school, like the Juku uh, right. culture or uh, extracurricular activities. And they would even go to these on weekends. Really? And so they're just, they're, so they, there's a lot of time commuting to school, usually by train. And then there's a lot of time, I guess, but like, I guess you have little like bits of downtime between classes and then between class and your activities and then just like downtime during the activities. And mm-hmm. so people will all squat together, uh, <laughs> you know, and do a quest, you know, or do a, a <laughs> round of race. God Eater or whatever. <laughs> and um, uh, we just don't, I mean, people have extracurricular activities here. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just a little different. I think people get, to spend a little more time at home here. Mm. And not just students, you know, people spend a lot more time at work uh, yeah. in Japan too. Oh, um, okay. And uh and then another thing is I think there's a bit more of a sense of a stigma uh here like people are a little shyer about uh gaming in public, you know, on their portable game specific devices. People mm-hmm. will play iPhone games and stuff like that in public. I think they're a little shy about busting out like you know, if you're like a 30 year old guy, I mean, it depends on the person. But some some people are a little shy about. Yeah, and I, I think po- Pokemon, you know, <laughs> like at a bar, like. Uh, and and to speak more uh, in depth about playing Pokemon in a bar, here is. Uh huh. Hello. Oh man. Sorry. Oh. Uh, I didn't even see you there. Am I coming through here? You are. Yeah. Oh, weird. I can't hear you guys. I can hear you. But it's fine. You're here too. Um, You're here yeah. too. Oh, there we go. My levels were down. It was just That's a headphone thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have to leave up. immediately. Oh, man. But, oh my uh, God. Capcom's Brelston, everybody. Yeah. I just popped it in because uh, heading into a Resident Evil meeting. So oh. uh, Revelation 2 launching soon. So uh, oh yeah. Actually, yes. before, before product launches, we're always any game is going to have meetings, as Yuri can attest to, with the oh, launch of Monster yeah. Hunter. This is what we call Bata Bata time. It means exactly. butter, butter time. Yeah, no, oh, it doesn't. Man. It comes from the Midwest. Ask Gaijin Hunter about that. One. Comes from uh, uh, ancient, deep south. Uh, <laughs> batata is potato in Portuguese. Right? That's what I meant. Um, <laughs> no, I just wanted to pop in and say uh, Monster Hunter Four is great, and we've been playing it every day in the office. We have, yeah, we have these massive hunting parties at lunch. Yeah. Uh, where yes, <laughs> yeah. something like twelve of us. Yeah. Yeah. Crowd yeah, into the Capcom Stadium and. Play, and everybody's uh, higher hunter rank than me because I've ha- have had to work a couple of lunches. And yeah, oh, it's yeah, ironic that. that I think you and I are the lowest ranks in the <laughs> office now. We used to be the only ones who would play it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah. When we 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 played four a bit back in you know last year, uh, twenty oh my god, twenty thirteen even because oh, of how yeah, long ago yeah. it came out. 
Uh, I played a little bit, and I, that's when I did most of my insect glaving, but I switched back to the hunting horn because there's so many cool horns and so many weird designs, and I'm working on a Shagala, Shagaru Magala yep. horn with has these giant, like really cool uh, church or pipe pipe organ-looking yeah, things coming out of it. Cool. It looks really nice. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I just want to pop in and interrupt. Pokemon's great, too, everybody. <laughs> uh, I've definitely played Pokemon possibly uh, in bar? bars. Okay. Possibly. So now, were you with a group of people when you did that? Well, but Brett, Brett's special because he has no shame. No, no, yeah. but that's the, I, I think that's a, that's a question like... Yeah, you shouldn't hide who you are, that's for sure. Well, right? yeah. Well, no, 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 like, I, but my question but is... But I like, also agree there's a time and place for things, and I'm sure yeah. I was... If I did, I'm sure I was like with my girlfriend or wife or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. Presently Some wife. form of protection. Presently wife. But it's like... I mean, we both play Pokemon. So. <laughs> Either my girlfriend or my yeah, wife. One of the whoever two. I was with. One of the two. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, like, it's... I well, mean, because if you're, if you're playing with one of the, frankly, who cares? If somebody has a problem with it, like, no, it's it's not, it's not a, a problem. I mean, we're talking sure, about sure. how how it can be a little, uh, like the cultural differences between gaming here and gaming in Japan, in particular. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, I'm like not saying the, you should be shy with about uh, it. with the portable systems. And I would say I was going to say like during the PSP days of, of Monster Hunter, we were, uh, and and I was uh, when I went back to Brazil, all my friends were playing. We would go. Uh, we would meet up in public and play, mm-hmm. but it was a thing like, oh, we're we're safe because we're in this group. So sure. if, if they're gonna judge us, they're gonna have to right. gonna have to judge the whole wall of us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've all been working yeah. out. It's kind of like, but I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wasn't the case. Right. But if if it was just one of us, I don't think we were just like, oh, I'm just gonna. Yeah. Do a I mean, it's like if here. it's like we're all gathering here, it's it becomes this social thing. So it's yeah. like if there's two of you playing, it's because you've decided to meet here, and it's like, look, I'm being social. I'm out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it's like right. they can't come out to say, like, look yeah. at that nerd. He has no friends. Yeah, like, it's no, like, ten surely I do, and I'm here having a beer. What are you drinking? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's good. But I got to go. But uh, just oh, popping man. in. I have to go to, again, meetings. But thanks God's for speed. listening, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Brett Elston, everybody. Monster Hunter. Bye. And other <laughs> games. Bye. Well, now that he's gone, I'd like to also uh, note that the uh, charge blade is well worth your time if you if you're not a hunting horn person. Uh, oh yeah, he did mention the insect glaive, which was one of the new yes, weapons. Yes, or an insect glaive blade. person. Charge blade uh, is is the other new weapon class in addition to the insect glaive, right. and uh, it's uh, it's the the first weapon to ever steal me away from the Gunlance. And I'm sorry, Gunlance, and I'm sorry to the Gunlance players, but uh, Charge Blade is just so good in 4 Ultimate. You should you should still tell the Gunlance that you love it mm-hmm. to its face. I mean, I do, and it, it's actually, there, there's some little additions to the Gunlance in 4 Ultimate that uh, are great, you know, very welcome additions. You can do a little dash shot now. There's ah. the jump attack, of course. Uh... There's a full burst into Wyvern Fire. There's cancel. the full burst into Wyvern Fire cancel. Like, uh, you're also, I don't know, the sound effects are a little better. The visual effects are a little better. Yeah. Uh, I thought there was something else. Isn't it a little faster overall, or am I whistling Dixie? Yes, that thing. I mean, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't mark my words on that one, but uh, Charge Blade, well worth a look. <clears throat> Charge Blade is uh, actually one of my favorites. Uh it's not my favorite weapon right now. It's just so versatile because, not. I mean, you get uh, basically the speed and agility of the sh- the sword and uh, shield. Not not almost. Too much. Yeah, almost, almost. But it's on. close. You know, yeah. it's th- it's certainly an agile weapon. It's yeah, one yeah. of the more agile weapons. Uh, you can you can sidestep after certain attacks. You can roll still. You can yeah. block with the yeah. shield. Uh, so that's already really versatile. But then when you put it in axe mode, is that what it's called? Yep. You put it in axe mode. Uh, it has what must be one of the most powerful attacks in the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's really strong. It almost always causes a stagger. And if, if you if you charge yeah. it up multiple times, and um, you know, it, it get your hands on the game and on the demo. It's all there. Um, just just gotta make sure that you press all the buttons once in each context and try mm-hmm. different combinations. And 
the weapon will start opening. There's a lot. Yeah, the yeah. weapons uh, are deceptively complex. They they yeah. seem simplistic. It seems like you're just sort of hacking yeah, away yeah. mindlessly. Not the case. There's a lot of thought put into that. It's just simple control. Well, I don't know if simple is the right word, but uh, you can do a lot with relatively few buttons. Yeah. Well, th- think of it as like kind of like Street Fighter. You know, like so you have your you know lower low forward kick and you have your Hadouken. Mm-hmm. which is arguably already a very complex move, right? So mm-hmm. you're, for a person who never played video games in their entire life is not going to know how to do a Hadouken right away. Right. But like a crouching, you know, medium kick, mm-hmm. they should be able to do, right? right. It's, it's kind of like already two button inputs. So, but did you know you can cancel one into the other? Like, <laughs> that's that's the kind of thing, you know? Like, the the weapons in Monster Hunter have that sort of feel, too. Yeah. So... And some moves you cannot cancel, so you have to figure out a way around them, and, and et cetera. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, like exploring how animations connect or don't connect. You know, how how can you best keep your momentum? Yeah. That's a big thing in this game. Always dodge, though. Like, after every move, with every weapon. And put almost. your weapon away. This almost. is a, <laughs> lessons for noobs. Yeah. Put your weapon away. To move, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every time you want to move around, yeah, put your weapon away. So yeah, if, if you if you if you start playing, you feel like oh, this is this is a little slow. That's my two my two little advice for you, uh, following Greg's here. If, put your weapon away and run. Like that's that's a lot faster. and It's part of the game. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is, after every move that you do, uh, or, or you know after you finish a combo, try to dodge. Like, 99% of the time, that is possible. There's mm-hmm. only a few instances, a few moves that you can't dodge after them. Mm-hmm. But you should at least try. Like, yep. mash that dodge button after your sword is, like, falling super yep. fast on the monster's face. Like, because, you know, there's recovery animations for everything. So, uh, you don't want to be stuck on those while the monster counterattacks. So, Indeed. That's that. So, uh, it, for, for returning players, though... If you're trying, let's say someone played Monster Hunter Three Ultimate, uh, and they, you know, they had their their time with it, but they were kind of done with it. Mm-hmm. What would you say to get people like that pumped for Four Ultimate, get them interested again? So if you if Monster Hunter Three Ultimate was your starting point, mm-hmm. uh, it was a, it was a very good one, and uh, but unfortunately, you missed out on a lot of monsters from Monster Hunter One all the way through Monster Hunter Three and Unite. So, I think my my main uh, draw for these guys would be, uh, look, we have a ton of monsters that you've never seen before. Yeah, they were there already, and <laughs> to be honest with you, like they they if they feel new just because they've been reworked and they they all have like new animations, they all have new ways to interact with you and right. you can interact with it. Well, and especially because you know the well, I guess we we'll get, get to this. That. You'll, you'll yeah. get to it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's one of the main draws that that I would say, and uh, just the monster selection is, you know, th- there's very little overlap between three ultimate and four ultimate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but still, like four ultimate is Although, the, the largest yeah. roster of monsters. There are some ever. returning favorites, of course. Yeah, yeah. If you like, if you remember and like the Zenogre, Brachidios, they're they're in here. Yes, yes. Rathalos, Rathian, as always. Oh yeah. Uh, Diablos and. No, I haven't. I, think, I haven't seen a Diablos. Yeah, he shows up later on. I think that's what it between. Huh? What I hate him. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, so yeah, so it 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 can be um it can be a, quite a refreshing experience to experience to get to fight all these monsters that you may have heard of, you may have seen we post fan art, but you never <laughs> actually fought them. You know, so that's one of the draws. The other one is. Uh, the. The idea, the spirit of the uh, underwater combat has been translated into something else that I find a lot more awesome, Mm -hmm. which is all the vertical combat. It's like they took that notion of being able to move in a... uh, Third dimension. Third, Yeah, and that third dimension and that Z-axis, you know, you want to go up and down and all that. So they took that and applied it to a much, much more diverse terrain uh, in terms of, you know, different levels. There's, like, canopies. There's... You can climb walls a lot faster. You can jump from walls. You can do jump attacks. It's just awesome. Like, this is the type of thing that 
again, pick up the demo and run around the area. Don't do anything. You're going to see that your character's going up and down a lot faster than before. Yeah. And everything just feels very fluid. Um, so I think that's definitely a draw for three it's ultimate a, it, to four. It makes the there. fights feel like they have more of a dynamic, to yeah, use a yeah. cliche word. But, and you know. Yeah, it's, it's def- I definitely get your point. I mean, uh, to bring up Street Fighter again, and I'm sorry to those of you that disagree that Monster Hunter and Street Fighter are alike. Uh, you're wrong if you disagree. <laughs> But, you no, know, like, everybody remembers uh, Evo Moment 37, where Daigo is up against Justin Wong, and mm-hmm. he does the crazy thing where he parries every single one of a, a Chun-Li's super arts oh, yeah. uh, hits, and then, like, he counters, and then he wins, right? That that stuff now, it's always happened with Monster Hunter, but I think the, the verticality of the combat... Uh, it, it, it just adds it's so to that visually exciting, and, yeah. And because there's this uh, dice roll element, and it's not quite a dice roll, but it's like, uh, you know, y- you're not guaranteed to mount the monster when you do the jumping attack, it's, right? It's, a, it's there's an algorithm in play, so you get every time you do that jumping attack, there's this little like hold your breath for a second and hope, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. moment, <laughs> and then you land, and it's like yes, and that can to- totally turn the tables. Oh yeah, and it can save your teammate's life if if the monster was charging up against it, or yeah, it, it's it's been crazy. Uh, I know for me, I've done some crazy ones uh, where one time I I did a jump attack and wanted to land on the monster's back, but the mm-hmm. monster was charging and I hit the tail, and that actually cut the tail. <laughs> so it was it was unexpected. I was like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> I get to tell my grandkids. And <laughs> the other one was, uh, so if you have, uh, I've also been playing with the bow, a bow and arrow. And uh, by the way, the, the ranged weapons also have jump attacks. So don't worry about it. You're not missing out. It's just, you know, it's a different type of attack. Yeah. It's not shooting from the air. So with the bow and arrow, he... You know, it's it's your main melee attack with the with the arrow, where the hunter holds onto one arrow and just does this really wide swing. Mm-hmm. While the swing happens to end like behind the hunter's head, mm-hmm. because it's like very, it goes from uh. <laughs> yeah, it goes from ten o'clock all the way up to like eight o'clock. It does this full, wow. almost like a full swing with the arrow. Like that's the thing. And one time, I caught the monster with. This, you know, the 7 end. to 8 o'clock, like, all the way back there. Love it. And it was like, I didn't think this was going to happen, but it did. But it's know? like an Evo moment where you just yeah. say, ooh! Kind of like a Hail Mary type thing. They like, say this is my Japan, only choice. your tension rises. That's how they say it. They use the English word tension wrong in Japan. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah they say your tension rises. It means you get, like, super psyched. Yeah. Super hyped. Before Brett got in, though, I feel like we were talking about the game being online. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, just that's a big addition, you know. That means yeah. that for the first time, uh, you don't have to have a group of hunters in your immediate vicinity. Uh, and that's something that if you live in Japan, that's not an issue. <laughs> you yeah. know, there are hunters in your vicinity. <laughs> um, but that hasn't always been the case in the West. People are more spread out. Uh, it's not a Western game to begin with, so it can, you know, it doesn't have quite the same uh, traction right away. So uh, this this is a huge opportunity for for the series to grow and for for people to enjoy it in a way that perhaps they haven't had a chance before. Yeah, and uh, as I kind of alluded to before, like the the fact that we have it on on such a widespread system, it's going to help a lot because you know everybody's. I, I see this as week one, everybody's going to be playing it. And then week two, people are starting to talk to their friends and be like, mm-hmm. and start bringing in their friends. Mm-hmm. Who would then bring in their friends and their friends of friends of friends? You know, and then. Yeah. Like, uh, Monster Hunter kind of always does that where there's, you know, where 
the game is not really defined by the first two weeks. Like a lot of big games will will do that. Will like only count the first two weeks of, of sales. But we kind of like stretch that out a little more because we know that people are getting into it, and sometimes it takes three weeks for a yeah. person to be like finally. Finally, I get it. I I, I yeah. love this game now. Now I can tell my friends. It's know? a pretty unique, uh, yeah. just a unique case in the games industry. Yeah. The way Monster Hunter works. So I think this time around, getting to that point where you love it, it's mm-hmm. gonna be a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah. So that's also gonna be. Uh, yeah, totally. Gonna and be we'll be, you know, we'll be doing our Monster Hunter Monday streams yeah. and playing with you guys. Uh, uh, yeah, and to all all of you that are uh, listeners of the podcast uh, and viewers of the monster Hunter mondays uh i'm sorry i haven't been able to stream uh for a while uh like i said we've got other stuff that demanded uh my attention particularly on mondays well yeah <laughs> I mean, that's what happens but, when a game is about to launch yep but uh but once we're gonna get back to that groove and it's gonna be awesome again we'll get back to streaming for you for you the viewer ah uh, see yeah. what I'm doing here? I, I see. This little play on, uh, you know. Words. Yes. <laughs> uh, also, real quick, one thing I want to point out that I don't think gets mentioned enough is that if you're a lancer or you're curious about the lance, the lance also has a jump. Like, you can... The, people think that the, uh, insect glaive? the insect glaive is the only weapon <laughs> where you can jump whenever you want. Not true. Yep. You can jump with the lance. You can actually jump with the lance. I... Uh, I played with the lance quite a bit, uh, especially, I, I think, if even if you remember the Monster Hunter Mondays with 3 Ultimate, there was a time that I was only using lance, and I absolutely loved it. Very powerful weapon. Um, you know, it, it can look pretty slow just because your forward movement is a little slow. Just because you're using it wrong. Because you're using it wrong, mm-hmm. etc. But there's a couple of tricks here and there, you know, put your weapon away. and <laughs> Or use the back hop to move forward. Yeah. So, again, intricacies of that. But yeah, I was very happy to see that the lance is actually getting you know once once you do that lance charge, you do forward and X, uh, forward and B. I'm sorry, and then it'll do like a jump, and then you hit X and you do a jump attack. Yep. So it's mess around with awesome. that. <clears throat> if you like being able to jump all the time, but you're not that big on the insect glaive, yep. that's an option. Um, also, a little bit of uh, inside information here: the lance is the director's favorite weapon. Fujioka-san oh yeah, that's come up really a few likes times. Really likes the lance. Uh, Tsujimoto-san, the producer, really likes the hammer. hammer. Remember so that. You can pretend to be those two in your. I mean, the truth is, all the weapons. Party, all the weapons, weapons. They're like characters in Street Fighter. We bring this up <laughs> a lot, but there's a lot to love about all of them. So just experiment. Like, I think that's actually a really important tip for new players. Is like. Just like experiment with all the weapons until you find one that you think, yeah, works for you. One that one that is appealing to you. You know, you shouldn't learn the weapon that people say is like easy for beginners. You should learn the weapon that you think is cool. Because yeah, you know, ultimately liking a thing is going to be all the motivation you need to learn it. Yeah, and I think uh, this is one of the points where Monster Hunter kind of uh, is is different from Street Fighter uh, in a sense that. It's similar enough, but different enough where, you know, if you pick out, you can look at all the characters in Street Fighter, right? Mm-hmm. And you like Guy, and I, I like Abel, but mm-hmm. I know that I would not win Evo. What's wrong play. with us? Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's because, you know, we like those characters. We yeah. like the way that they they look and feel and their, their movesets and all that. Mm-hmm. But does that mean that they're the best ones and most effective ones to win a tournament, uh, Evo? They're probably not. Like, yeah. I haven't seen, like, last year's champion was not, mm-hmm. or even, like, Capcom Cup, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, last year's <laughs> champion was not a guy player or or able player. Well, but no one expected a Rose player to rise well, up either. That's true. Um, but, anyways. This is all moot because we don't have an Evo from Monster Hunter anyway. <laughs> 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 which, is, which is what I was going to say. Like, the game is not competitive, so you don't have to be concerned about whether your weapon of choice is the best one. Uh, first of all, that is a myth. There is no best one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and second of all, it doesn't. Like I said, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Even if it was a best weapon, like you just use whatever you like, whatever mm-hmm. makes you feel awesome. You know? Yeah. Believe it or not, uh, video games are a type of entertainment. 
<laughs> designed to entertain. So. Yes. After you learn them, mm-hmm. it's uh, it becomes a delight. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think well, we'll go into our community questions. So last week, we uh, we asked you, what supporting Resident Evil characters would you like to see return in the future? This uh, spurred, of course, by the return of Barry Burton uh, and uh, Claire Redfield. Claire Redfield, arguably not a supporting character to begin with, but uh, it uh, it brings the question up of who would you like to see come back? Uh, the answers, are you ready for this? They're pretty much all over the map. <laughs> Had to do it. <laughs> However, it seems the like... map is a supporting character? The, uh, well, the, the map in-game. Oh, This is it. going completely off the rails. Right. <laughs> seems like there was a lot of uh, support for Rebecca Chambers. Uh, delightful character, <laughs> if I may say so. Uh, but some people feel like she needs closure, or they just want to see what happened to her after the mansion incident. Uh... Isn't there any fan fiction that explains that already? There, well, there's probably fan fics, yes. Okay, then why did? <laughs> there's some. Just kidding. There's some support for Billy as well. Uh, Sergio says, "I'll comment." Thank you <laughs> for your support. Uh, and then, oh, what was it Uncle J Jonah Jameson, aka Mustache Daddy? Great screen name. Says, <laughs> "Out of all the Resident Evil support characters, I would say Brelston should make a comeback." First day buyer here. It's true, Brelston is a big supporter of Resident Evil in a professional context and also a character in that he's uh you you listen to the podcast you you know yeah. Brills. yes uh Izzy says I have two the supporting characters that I would like to see return are Sheva Alomar and Rebecca Chambers in Rebecca's case seeing as she is now the only living stars member that hasn't been seen in a new game since RE0 canon wise in Sheva's case I personally think she has a lot of character potential and mainly looked down upon due to her AI in RE5. Well, it was a different time. Uh, I think that's a good point about Rebecca. Uh, Although you're uh, mentioning that she's uh, the only living stars member that hasn't been seen in a while. Makes me wonder uh, what happened to some of the dead ones. (laughs) Mm. uh, Maybe we could just do like... Zombie All-Stars, that could be the name <laughs> of the game. It would be all of the dead Stars members forming uh, some sort of zombie boy band. Zombie boy band. Mm-hmm. How come that's not a thing? Uh, like, we've seen the you know, of boy it bands. It probably actually is. Like, let us know in the comments. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> is that today's community question? Like, do you know of a zombie boy band? There's got to be at least a couple. Okay. Anyway, this week, uh, Yuri, you have a question uh, about Monster I- Hunter? Kind of a silly one, but uh, what do you? What are your thoughts on uh, petting the poogie? Because uh, I've been playing since the first game. The poogie has been there since the first game. Uh-huh. You could always pet the poogie. The poogie. The if, if you're not from, if you're not familiar with the series yet, the poogie is it's a pig-like species. Uh, they're very cute. You can put little sweaters on them and stuff. You can name them. You can give them names. In fact, in three ultimate, you can name one of them more. Uh, based on me, yeah. Who knows what four you will hold, but you can pet the poogies. Yeah, and there there are various uh, sort of urban legends floating around about this. Would you call it urban legend? Uh, a little bit, yeah. So, like I was saying, like you can you, you that was a thing that you could do since the very first game, but the game does not reference it in any sort of manual, official material, yeah. or anything. Like, so what does it do? Uh huh. And you can get a good outcome. So if you press the button at the right time, yeah, there, it is sort of a little mini game. If you can get a bad outcome where you don't press the button uh, soon enough and he gets mad at you, yeah. And then you can get an excellent one where it, it, this was added later on, where if you if you press it just the right time, you get an even better reaction out of it. He like gallops all over the place. <laughs> yeah, and then he follows you until you and go on the quest. Follows you yep. around. Uh, so what what do you think it does? Like what? Why is that there? Or does it need a reason? Do you like that it's there? <laughs> or does it bother you that they would do something do you think so it's frivolous? Evil? Yeah. <laughs> in your precious entertainment. 
You think it takes away review points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has that affected Metacritic? That's <laughs> and that'll see us out. Thank you guys for listening once again. Buy Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. Right now. Right now. It's it available is out. now. You don't even have to get up. Just turn on your 3DS and download it. So can I tell you a couple of things that you can get by buying it now? Uh-huh. So if you buy the digital version, you get a free theme for your 3DS. Ooh. Look out for those in the receipt. Okay. Uh, it's a limited time offer, so get it now. Mm-hmm. And uh, in addition, another limited time offer, but this one is for everyone, is that there's a special starter pack of items. Uh, you need to download the, the patch that is available on the eShop. You download that patch, install it, you get a bunch of useful items, more details on CapcomUnity.com, uh, and a sneaky little way to get uh, an early access to either Mario or Luigi outfit for your Palico. For your oh my god, Palico. oh my god. Oh, I've been holding out in the news, Greg. Well, here we are. <laughs> so do that, guys. And once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks. Yes. Thank <laughs> you.